UCLA, uh, marvelous win over LSU uh, for the pride of the Pac-12. Uh, and all of that goodwill was squandered immediately by a once-in-a-century loss by Washington to the mighty, not-so-mighty, Montana Grizzlies. Uh, Pac-12 North also went 1-5 and five on the week with Oregon winning. So we love it, right? Uh, we're going to talk about all that and more in this week's Eligible Receivers. He's Eric. I'm Warren. Let's start the show. Hello, blog fans. Ineligible receiver. This is Eligible Receivers, the show where we review last week's Pac-12 action, pick next week's Pac-12 games against the spread, and keep track of how we're doing on our picks over the course of the season. And ladies and gentlemen, this is happens one time a year, I feel like, where we recorded a over an hour and a half blockbuster podcast last night, and when I uh, go to, uh, you know, like, check the audio, find out that my audio stopped recording after 23 minutes. So it ended up being like a good therapy session for me but not particularly usable yeah it was still fun though i don't regret it yeah it was fun yeah it was i had a grand old time but anyway so because of that this will be uh uh sort of abbreviated because we only have so much time to give to this thing yeah that does not pay us money doesn't pay us money and doesn't uh you know it doesn't count as parenting so it's a a limited uh scope every week we have for this (laughs) so let's start it off utah in Rice Eccles Stadium, hosted Weaver State, Utah were pretty big favorites, like 30 and a half points. They do not cover that, but they win handily against Weaver State, 40 to 17. As you as you should win handily if you're Utah, but yeah, that's a that turns out that spreads a little too too much. Yeah, speaking of spreads that are too much, maybe the stupidest spread in terms of being too much. Arizona State hosted Southern Utah with a spread of over 40 points. Yeah, which is tough to cover when you score 41 impossible to cover the spread when you score 41 yeah. points yeah and and here's the fun part you and i both picked asu so you what, what what was it what yeah we were wrong what was i thinking yeah <laughs> this is the deal extremely wrong uh ralphie hosted northern colorado no love lost there one would assume uh colorado comfortable winners but not spectacular winners 35 to 7 and they needed to be spectacular winners because that too was a spread of 37 and a half points they did not score as many points as the spread was some really (laughs) spreads coming out of vegas last week (laughs) which you and i were all over because we both picked colorado all right uh Oregon duckaroos uh hosted fresno state and fresno state gave them all they could want here in this game, we had uh, what I mean, tie game going into the fourth quarter. Fresno had the ball with a chance to tie it late, but the Ducks hang on, take care of business against a pretty solid non-conference opponent. Good win for Oregon. Solid non-conference opponent, and given how the rest of the Pac-12 North performed last week, you just got to basically say that's the best possible outcome for them was a win. Yeah, a, w- a win, but yeah, we we take our wins. Yeah, uh, USC hosted. Uh, a favorite team of the podcast, San Jose State. Uh, USC were 15-point favorites in the game, uh, and USC covered it up against a solid opponent here. Uh, this was a game. This was a one-score game going into the fourth quarter, but USC 17 to zero in the fourth quarter. They win 30 to seven. Yeah, nice little pick six to kind of break the game open for USC, and then they they tacked on another couple scores. So um, yeah, not a not a bad start for for Clay Helton's squad. Given that you you and I both love that San Jose squ- State squad, 
So we're taking these in order, but I'm realizing we haven't talked a lot about Pac-12 North teams yet. So let's do UCLA real quick. Uh, hosted LSU. Uh, we talked about it heading into the game last week. LSU was coming out to uh, Pasadena to do a little uh, recruiting trip and, uh, you know, take care of business against a Pac-12 opponent that hasn't been setting the world on fire the last few years. But we knew better. We knew UCLA is good this year. Chip might be back. UCLA is good, and LSU is such a dumpster fire post post their national title from two years ago. It's going to be a while until uh, it probably will be the next regime post Orgeron before I think LSU probably writes that ship. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, did you see that video after the game where it was like the fan being like, "We're going to beat you down," and he's like, "Dude, I'm bringing a sissy blue shirt and come down here," you know? Yeah, and like. Uh, uh, and then UCLA made a great video of all their players dancing to that Get the Gat song that LSU famously danced to in their Zeitgeist National Championship season. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it was, good job. I mean, good for Chip. Looks like he's got looks like he's got some of his mojo back. And, uh, I mean, I still love or Orgeron anytime you give him a mic and just listen, try and figure out what he's saying. That's always great theater. But, yeah, but yeah they're not yeah. going to be an organized uh, you know squad for some time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I swear I'm going to look this up before I say it because uh, it's a word that I got to be careful with uh, while you're doing that let us oh yeah go ahead sorry, let sorry, us sorry, sorry. finish <laughs> out here in the south uh, Arizona lost to BYU as we all thought they would only they kept it more competitive than the odds makers believe they would I suppose that's a good start for the Jed Fish era. They covered, uh, given how uh, more bound they were last year. That's a good outcome. And then, yeah, I think that's it. Let's talk about the North. Let's start with – I don't even know if I can stack rank these failures. Um, I mean, I probably can't. Let's start with the surprising one for me, which is how bad Stanford looked against Kansas State. So bad. Kansas State three-point – favorites going to that game we figured no way Stanford's gonna come out and show them a little Stanford ball and they just got their doors blown off we're not even competitive in this game complete debacle for Stanford what you can say about every other team that lost in the Pac-12 North and it's all of them except for Oregon every other team was somewhat involved in the game you know like there were there were a thought that they might be able to win uh, Oregon State maybe next least likely to, but like Stanford was not. They were just utterly uncompetitive in this game. Yeah, it was pretty brutal, and you got to be concerned now if you're, uh, you know, it's been a slow decline for them, but it's been it's uh, it's sped up. It appears to be precipitous at this point because they they got absolutely hammered by you know like a middling Kansas State team. I don't think anybody's got Kansas State, you know, in the playoff. So, um. Something to be concerned about if you are a Stanford fan, for sure. You mentioned Oregon State. They went all the way to Indiana to play Purdue. Purdue were seven-point favorites, and Purdue won by more than seven points. What say you about these beeves? Um, ultimately, unsurprising. You know what I mean? Like, they, they lost. They uh, appear to have been a reputable college football team on the road. Yeah. That's like... These are like two kind of like lower third teams in their conferences getting together uh, where like the the marquee factor of the game is that they come from relatively prestigious football conferences, not the institutions themselves. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm 
you know, I, I think like you take or take or leave whatever result Oregon State got out of this one. You would like to see them making a push for bowl eligibility at some point because we've been talking about how they've been getting a little bit better and not really seeing results. Yep. So at some point you do have to see results, but I'm not like super worried for them for having lost this game. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, that brings us to so we did we talked about the Ducks beating Fresno State. Let's talk about Utah State as 17-point underdogs going into Pullman and actually just beating Washington State. I'm su- <coughs> surprised. I'm not, like, super surprised at the outcome, right, because Utah State is one of these, like, borderline uh, – they're Mountain West, aren't they? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Uh, and, uh, like, you know, sometimes they're decent enough, and Washington State – is like one of your more erratic Pac-12 teams. You don't know what you're going to get year to year. It's not particularly surprising to me that Utah State beat Washington State. What I guess I'm kind of surprised at, and I wonder uh, how Coug fans feel about it. The few that I kind of follow uh, on social media are definitely over it in terms of Rolovich. Yeah. And uh, I'm supp- I don't know. I I you know for me what's really keeping Rolovich uh, employed is one, uh, I don't have any say in the matter. And then uh, two, that like, they, I, to me, they looked really good the first game they had. And Jaden Delora looked good. He has not looked that good since then. Uh, Didn't play in this game. So, I mean, he wasn't even the starter. Um, yeah. So they went with the... He played. Went, yeah, but they went with the Garantano guy, the transfer out of Tennessee um, as the starter. And no explanation. Ro- Rolovich has done, has done a, a bunch of dumb things. First of all, the, the yeah. team isn't very good. Um, yeah. which is obviously the first the first marker. The second of all, his recruiting is completely pathetic. Um, they are recruiting on par with Utah State right now. Um, yeah. That's that's not an exaggeration. Their recruiting class is miserable. And their last year recruiting class wasn't any good either. Um, and so he's, you know, he inherited a pretty talented team that Mike Leach had put together. And so he's not, they don't look good. And now he's he's draining the talent. And then, of course, you've just got all the stupidity around the vaccination issue, around the you know getting sued by a former player, um, and just a, an arrogant, you know, a, an arrogant guy who, the, yeah, like you, I follow a bunch of Coug fans, and they all basically seem to be of the opinion that he's trying to get fired, but in a way where he still gets his buyout, basically. You know what? He kind of this is something that just came to my mind. He kind of carries himself. Uh, like, like if you didn't know anything about college football and were dropped into 2021 and like observed what was going on with him, you'd be like, oh, this guy's like a, a Bobby Knight. He must have had great success somewhere else, but lost his job because he was too controversial. Yeah. But that he just is, he's that he's all the trouble without the track without, record. without the three national titles, which is a problem. Yeah. Those were what got Bobby Knight, uh, got what helped him get away with what, what he became. For a long time, yeah. um, I don't know, man. He's a, he's a mess for sure. But and and now their team seems to be as well because that was a, a terrible outcome. Um, does look like Delora will start next week, but um, in any event, speaking of Pardon? terrible losses, Nevada. Well, Cal is only a three point favorite, um, but Nevada went ahead and beat Cal, um, so that's another bad loss for the for the North. Um, it's bad in the in the context of the rest of the division also losing. If, if I was going to rank them, 
I would say this is the well BYU. Well, no, no. no. If we're talking Pac-12 North only, I'd say this to me. This is like on par with Kansas State and Stanford, where it's like you don't love it, but Nevada's okay from time to time. Yeah, I just think like with Wilcox, he's been there a minute now, and. Yeah. You know, Cal can kind of recruit a little bit, you know, like they I don't think their admission standards are quite as high as Stanford. And, you know, they've had some they've had some dudes, right, like Aaron Rodgers and Marshawn Lynch and like like they that like sneaky Deshaun Jackson. I mean, like uh, Javid Best. Yeah. I mean, they've had some like sneaky, sneaky good talent. And so you think, you know, Wilcox is established there. He's good to go. He's had multiple recruiting cycles to get his guys in there. You know, what and, – and it's not like the rest of the conference is like setting the world on fire where you wouldn't have an advantage, you know, be able to leverage, you know, the, the campus and, and the, the education and all that. So it's a little surprising to me in this stage in the game that he's losing to Nevada. Um, that's, a, that's a red flag, I would say, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean – well, it's just crazy to me. This is a school that has had offensive success, you know, and they move on uh, from Jeff Tedford because he's like, you know, because he was like an eight win a season coach or something like uh, at the end of the day. Right. Mm-hmm. And like what, you know, but that guy had offenses that were fun to watch. Yeah. And they, they've just been, it's wild how, for how long they've been unable to score. It is. It is wild. And it's, it's particularly wild given that like Aaron Rodgers went to Cal, like they have like a history of pretty solid court. I mean, like the, the reigning NFL MVP like played there. Yeah. That's utterly. Yeah. That's insane. All righty. Um, well, that leaves us yeah. just one to talk about. Shall shall we do the honors? Who, who wants to talk about this train wreck? Well, let's talk about it. So we, uh, uh, this is the Washington non-conference game, the free win of the season. We're going to go out. Everybody's going to kind of kick the rest off. Washington's going to win by a few touchdowns. Home fans are going to be happy to be back in the stands. And Washington gets the opening kick, drives down the field, scores a touchdown, bing, bang, boom, and the route is on. But then Washington uh, did not score another point for the rest of the day. Uh, the game sat in the growing specter of a less than, you know, like of a one-score lead uh for the better part of like 50 minutes and uh montana scored 10 points in the fourth quarter to washington zero and montana won montana won against washington for the first time in 101 years and the second time ever they won yeah miserable yeah i would say i mean jimmy lake is in his second season technically but it certainly feels more like his first right the COVID season no stand no fans in the stands yep. like very weird it's it's just kind of an awkward you're not going to say that that i mean maybe you get a it's like a hybrid or whatever but it, it, this was his first you know uh, coronation if you will as a head coach in front of fans ready to go and they weren't ready to play their no. scheme was terrible they got physically dominated, which I think is more a function of the scheme than anything, you know, like Jackson Kirkland didn't get smaller um, and, and didn't, you know, lose, yeah. lose weight. But if you're on your back foot because you don't know what your assignment is or who you're supposed to be picking up, you're like way more likely to be pushed. You know, you're way more apt to get pushed backwards than if you've got your foot in the ground because, and you know 
that guy's mine. Like you're going to stone him. Right. So the physical thing to me is more a function of just not knowing what they were doing, which is again, terrifying. Um, and you've got, you've got this, you've got this Jimmy Lake who there's no energy on the sidelines that this, the guys are saying it felt zombie like and things like that, which is incredibly damning. You, you yeah. went out and hired, you've now hired two coordinators that are, I would say subpar hires. Um, yep. Your coaching staff is, is lower of the pack, like the bottom of the conference, I would say in terms of total coaching staff recruiting and, and X's nose. Uh, not great recruiters. Not great recruiters, and not apparently great at, co- at coaching them up because um, yeah. didn't, didn't score more than seven points. So just a big problem for Jimmy Lake, and you got no time whatsoever to fix it. Um, and uh, and so yeah, this just could get ugly for him like real quick, very quick. Yeah, I mean this is the sort of thing where it's. Uh, I mean it's he is in a desperate battle to rescue his credibility as a college coach to the extent that's even possible, right? This loss is so bad. Uh, and I want to emphasize something that you just said that I really agree with uh, uh, about, you know, Washington obviously having the physical capabilities to dominate this game. Washington is fielding an entire roster of players uh, who uh, would never have considered going to Montana and Montana's fielding a roster of players who Washington would never consider offering because they're not physically gifted enough. And so you're right. Washington did not have a plan in this game, uh, which is, you know, I mean, that's probably not giving them enough credit. They probably had some kind of plan, but the talent did not believe in that plan enough to execute it against uh, subpar competition. And the flip side is Montana had a very clear plan uh, of what they were going to do in this game, which they needed to, and they believed in themselves. As, uh, I recalled, you know, when one one of the things that happened during the game that made me really nervous that was in the first half, where it was just some random. I think on the drive that we went in for the field goal, uh, Montana, we we did some kind of running play that went nowhere. And Montana had double teamed one of our offensive linemen, driven him 10 yards into our backfield and kind of pancaked him uh, onto the turf kind of right as the whistle was going. It was like kind of borderline. I mean, it was clearly too rough uh, and they for the guys that weren't super involved in the play, but it was just enough within the rules that a flag wasn't called. And the Montana linemen get up and they're like flexing and they're all gassing each other up and stuff like that because they just bullied us. Right. And what I'm thinking to myself, well, oh, you made a mistake. Here comes a reaction. Never came. Yeah. Yeah. You you load the box on the the next play. You pull three linemen and send them to those guys and destroy them, regardless of the outcome of the play. And that doesn't happen again. Um, Exactly. Yeah. I I, am. There's not, yeah. And then the the other thing that, in terms of like uh, strategically, what bums me out about this game is that we uh, we threw the ball just about twice for every time we ran it uh, in a game against lesser opposition that we were, you know, by a small margin, but we were ahead of the, we were in front for most of the game. So I have to believe that if those numbers are flipped, 
and we commit to running it twice for every time we passed it, we're having a conversation about how the offense was very uninspiring. But I like to believe that at some point, Montana's defensive line, which included a guy that was starting on it that weighs 230 pounds, which is like almost 100 pounds less than our average offensive lineman, of which we have a full starting group and a full second string group the same size, that we would have been able to wear him down. But we, you know, Montana did a good job of blitzing to stop our early runs and destroying our play callers and our players' confidence in our ability to run so that we gave up, essentially, trying to run the ball against an FCS team that we grossly outmanned. Yeah. Well, I think we we're on the same page here. It it It's one of those losses that I don't think, you, you know, they've – it could be the worst loss in program history. It could be this, it could be that for Jimmy Lake. It it's the worst possible thing that could have happened because again, he's going into his second season, but this really sort of feels like his first and he's, he's already out of, out of excuses. Like, like you, you cannot, you cannot lose this. You game. cannot lose this game. The, 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 the athletic department spent all of last year getting the big money donors to leave their money on the table to not ask for refunds, you know, to help to help lessen the the impact of the of the horrible financial impact that COVID had on college sports shutting down with the athletic departments. They they did all of that to you know leave your money in, do this, and and for the most part, the alumni and the donors did that. Um, and then you, you know your first opportunity back in the stadium, which should have been an extremely cathartic, um, you know, welcome back, breath of fresh air. God, that was fun. I missed this. Uh, turns into just an abject disaster and utter embarrassment. Um, and you just made life impossible for yourself and for your athletic director um, by pulling that. And so, you know, I, I think, you know, there's a chance he pulls it out, right, and, and UW wins eight or nine games this year. And that's that's just something where we all look back and say, what the what the hell was that? Um, and yeah, and you like it spins into something where he learned an important lesson, and he's never gonna, yeah. you know, make that mistake again, and da da da, and it's fine. But to me, that's the most troubling thing about it is that it felt like, oh no, this is the wrong guy, and we're kind of playing out. Yeah, because it, it's until it, the inevitable. It's happens. way more likely in my mind that he that he wins two games this year, um, and that you know the team quits on him, and the you know the alumni are going to turn on him hard, uh, and. It's just and every every good player we have that isn't eligible for the NFL just jumps ship to a winning program somewhere else because they don't have to sit out a year anymore. Yeah, because you can do that. <laughs> That's allowed. Yeah, uh, it's it that that outcome is now on the table, which I don't think I ever thought possible going into that game. Um, but yeah, he's he's got his work cut out for him. Um, he's if he wasn't sleeping in his office before, and it certainly seems like he wasn't. Uh, he is now because um, actually now he's probably on a plane to Ann Arbor, so that'll be fun. Um, but he's, uh, he's up against it and I'm not sure he's got the staff to help pull, pull him out of a tailspin, but we'll see, I guess. Yeah. So how'd we do on picks last week? Super good, right? Very good. Um, extremely poorly. I went four and eight. You went three and nine. Worm went five and seven. Tubby five and seven on the air. I am four and nine. You are four and nine. Worm is six and seven and Tubby is five and eight. Moon on. Oof. All right. Moving on. Flush it. New week. Um, 
I got a switch to this week's game. I can start us down. Division. I'll start us down the line here. Some big, big games this week. So I'll, let's start with the not big game. Free pick, basically. Washington State hosting Portland State. No line. Washington State at home. I think given the fact that there's no line, we would both assume they're going to come back and make a, a, a win this game. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, the Cougs win comfortably. Something we didn't mention about last week is that Max Borgie touched the ball 12 times against Utah State, which is a joke. Um, That's shocking. He's a legitimately good He's one player. of the best running backs in the conference. Uh, probably should touch the ball 30 times a game if you if you can get him. They, lo- they lost a game by two points, and he averaged not quite eight yards a carry. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see if he gets the ball more this week against Portland State. Uh, Oregon State. 11-point favorites at home against the Rainbow Warriors of Hawaii. Do you think that Jonathan Smith has an 11-point victory in him? I think you do. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why. Here's what I'm doing is I'm not betting last week, and I believe that uh, Oregon State can take care of business. I agree. All right. Now you've got ASU fresh off of a 45-point spread uh, down to a mere 32.5-point favorites at home facing UNLV. I fell for this last week where I went with a massive spread. I'm not doing it again. I'm taking UNLV to cover here. UNLV that lost a tight game in uh, multiple overtimes to Eastern Washington last week. Uh, but yeah, I'm we're well. I'm used. Yeah, I used to be smart enough to uh, not lay a huge amount of points. If if I get if I start a game winning at 31 to zero, well, I'm gonna bet that. Yeah, yeah. On UNLV. Yeah, I agree. All right, that leaves, let's see, of the relatively crummy games. You've got Arizona at home hosting San Diego State University, Arizona, one-point favorites. I am all over San Diego State for this one. You are? Did I say Bear down, yeah, Arizona yesterday. Yeah, bear down. Fuck it. Let's go. There you go. All right, so then we got some good stuff coming down the pike. The Holy War, BYU at home hosting Utah. Utah, seven-point favorites. I'm on the Utes. I don't know if you listened to the playback of our podcast last week, but when we were, they were talking about BYU, I put in that uh, quote from their quarterback. Oh, they or whatever. Yeah, I did see that. I yeah, yeah. That. Tyler Huntley. Yeah, I did listen to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was looking through my audio files, and I was like, oh, yeah, I like that. We're never going to lose it, so poo-poo. Yeah, there you go. They uh, so poo-poo. Let's put that in. I'm going to put it in y'all there right tweet, now. Y'all can tweet that. No, right. so poo-poo. Well, we got both. Don't screw up our recording, because we're not doing this again. Um, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm just going to pause in IRL, not not the. Recording. Okay. Okay. Which, by the way, I've been frantically checking multiple times. Yeah, good. This. Good. Yeah. <laughs> so we're both on Utah there. All right. Now we've got a, a decent in-conference matchup here. You've got USC hosting Stanford. I guess it's not because Stanford USC seventeen-point favorites. I think Stanford bounces back a little bit. Rivalry game and will not lose this game by seventeen points. It looks like you believe the Trojans will romp. Yeah, dude, this it's uh we I think we got to accept that Stanford might be bad. That's true. We'll see. I'm I'm willing to accept it, but and then we've got TCU at home hosting Cal. The Horned Frogs are 10-point favorites and I think they will win by more than 10 points. Did I take TCU yesterday? You sure did. And you did again just now. So okay, then that brings us to Colorado hosting A&M. AM 17 point favorites. What about these buffs? I f- was was I on the buffs yesterday? We were both on the buffs. Yeah, buff it up. All right. Buffle. I don't know. Like I don't know if Texas A&M is 
you know, I mean, they're the fifth ranked team in the country. Doesn't that strike you as the sort of thing where like at the end of the year, they've got five losses and then they win, uh, you know, like some kind of car care bowl to finish the year ranked 24. I don't know who Jimbo Fisher's agent and like legal counsel are, man. But I, if I ever need to negotiate a tough contract, that's I'm tracking those guys down because that dude has a, like basically a rolling 10 year, $10 million a year contract now. Uh, and yeah, he, For what? he's not ever sniffed the playoff at AM. Um, his recruiting is good, but not great. Uh, they're miles behind, uh, miles behind Alabama and not that close to Georgia. And th- this is like the sort of deal where he should be paying Jameis Winston $9 million a year and assuredly gives him nothing. Yeah. I. I don't know, man. It's a, yeah. uh, well, so we're on Colorado there. At the Horseshoe in Columbus, Ohio, the Ohio State Buckeyes host the Oregon Ducks. They're 14.5-point favorites. You and I both have selected Ohio State, too. Yeah, and I, yeah, I, I like Ohio State to romp in this game. Uh, and I'll say this with the caveat of Jimmy Lake appears to be unremarkable too bad at every aspect of running a college football program on available evidence. Uh, Cristobal is a world-class recruiter they they do so well to keep uh oregon's name in the mix for all these top players it's still it's viewed as like a desirable destination for high school students for some reason what what has been underwhelming to me for cristobal especially since we find out how good herbert was the air bear since he went pro he's like a pretty underwhelming game day coach uh and so uh, you spend all your time making sure your Jimmys and Joes are better than the other guys. That's going to be a, you know, a formula to put you in play, uh, most weeks of the season. However, they are outmanned in this game. And so the fact that he's not that great of a coach comes to the fore. Yep. I agree with you, which leaves us a single solitary game left on the slate per the rules of the pod. We'll be taking you dub. They are six and a half point underdogs in the big house at Ann Arbor, Michigan, facing Jim Harbaugh and his Michigan Wolverines. What say you about this game? Well, I'll say this is that Washington's defense did plenty, did enough to win the game against Montana. Yes, they broke down in the fourth quarter, but like they shouldn't have had to have been playing at that point. Uh, So like, you know, they had opportunities to stop Montana they did have a couple of uh, breaks down there the stretch when it was winning time. But for most of the game, Montana couldn't do jack shit against Washington, as it should be. Okay, So when we're talking about Washington's piss-poor performance last week, I'm mostly just ta- I'm talking about offense and I'm talking about special teams. Okay, uh, So I think it's certainly possible that this game is uh, terrible to watch for the neutral. Not a lot of points are scored. Uh, I think it's possible Washington, I mean, I've, I I wouldn't be shocked if Washington ended up winning this game uh, for kind of the same reason Washington lost against Montana. Uh, and that is because Washington, like Michigan, is a program that recently has known horrors. Okay? So when the home fans find themselves in a close game, your home field advantage turns into a tremendous disadvantage when everybody who has seen the bad thing happen more than once starts to sense it might happen again, buttholes get tight. It's possible. Now, I think the likely outcome 
is Washington looked so inept on offense that Michigan kicks their ass. But I'm just saying there's a chance. Yeah, I mean, I, I've listened to a, a decent amount of the post-game stuff, and it, it, it seems very clear that Mich- that Montana confused Washington's offense, offensive line in particular, with motion. They were multiple, as Hugh Millen would say. And yeah. and so I'm I'm you know I'm going to assume Michigan's got the coaching staff to notice that, and so in some respects, preparing for the game this week should be pretty easy if you're UW, which is expect yeah. a lot of that bullshit to happen again and button it up because uh, they just saw an FCS team out coach you and confuse you. So let's figure out how to like make sure that that doesn't happen again. But like you, I, I'm very, very, uh, I have very little confidence that they're going to button it up. Um, and you, you just don't lose a game like that. Some of that losing a game like a, a Montana game is, can be deemed a fluke, but, but the way they lost it was less fluky and more just horrible. Um, it was, it was uh, symptomatic of, of bigger issues. Uh, yeah. Big, big, big issues. So the two things I'm watching for, for Washington, uh, going forward are uh, if people just start entering the transfer portal mid-season. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then t- the two big kind of signposts on the road to Jimmy Lake being fired are John Donovan gets fired. Yep. And uh, Sam Heward named starting quarterback. Maybe. I, if I'm, if I'm Damon. Because those are like the two. Yeah. If I'm Damon Heward, I'm not letting Sam Heward on that field. Uh, you you call you name him starting quarterback. I'm calling up the coach the next day and saying, "Sorry, man, he's not. You're not throwing my kid to the wolves. Um, like that's not. He's not your savior. You you get an offensive line that can block, and you get some receivers that can run routes, and we'll we'll see how my kid looks out there. Um, yeah, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. It's it's rough. I'm I'm not too optimistic about this game. This is not. Um, this does not look. This does not have the the harbinger of it. I mean, I'm glad it's out of town. Like you said, the home the home field could become almost a disadvantage. You know, the the, the crowd that would show up this week in Husky Stadium would be salty. Um, oh my god! And so, oh, there there were guys in my section in the first half that were screaming expletives at at, <laughs> at the cra- at players the, yeah, and coaches. At the sky. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nope, nope. It was at uh, uh, student athletes. Yeah, yeah. Well, so there you <laughs> and go. There, I mean, it was it was at the coaches. To be fair to the guy, uh, but it was uh, that it he went he didn't wait around for that thing to unfold before he got mad. Yeah, and so I would expect less patience the next opportunity we are at home. Yeah, yeah. They and that's that's so. In some respects, it's good to get out of town, um, but. Yeah, really going to have to catch lightning in a bottle this week to beat Michigan, I think. Um, which, if he does, will will buy him a lot of breathing room. So, if ever if ever there was a desperation hail mary time, it's now. Yep, we'll say it, uh, and we do not expect it to happen. So uh, that is for this week's episode of Eligible Receivers. For Eric, I'm Warren. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. <laughs>